Welcome to the Women Unveiled podcast. I'm your host, Erica Etienne. On this show, I have real conversations with women who remove their masks and share uncut and unfiltered stories of faith, redemption, sacrifice, and more. No subject or story is off limits. It's my belief and my testimony that God is a redeemer. Nothing we experience is a waste. The Lord can use everything you've gone through for your good and His glory. Each week, you'll learn about God's faithfulness, the truth of His power, and how He is present in every trial, just as He promises. So whether you're a new believer or a seasoned saint, you'll be encouraged, empowered, and equipped to keep fighting the good fight of faith. Let's get into this next story. Hey everyone, welcome back. I'm so happy to bring to you today another one of my talented, amazing, remarkable friends, as well as co-author in my book, uh, the first volume of Women Unveiled, 13 Stories of Restoration to Power, Purpose, and Peace. So I have with me today Janelle Brown, and I just want to share a little bit about her before we jump into our conversation. So Janelle is a special education parent advocate and the CEO and founder of William is Artistic, a nonprofit 501c3 incorporated in December of 2020. William is Artistic is a parent advocacy and parent support group organization, which brings awareness, acceptance, support, artistic creation, and advocacy to families of children with special needs who are entering their journey of special education. For the past six years, Janelle's inspiration and purpose behind William is Artistic was due to her personal journey of advocating for her son who has special needs. Janelle felt led by God to use her experience and organization to help families who are struggling to understand the special education process. Janelle provides training, one-on-one advocacy support, and artistic social sessions for special needs children. She plans to continue to provide support to her community, schools, and families via in-person and remotely. Janelle resides on the East Coast with her husband and five children. She is also a 20-year Air Force veteran, still serving in the Air Force Reserves as a first sergeant. Hey, Janelle, welcome. Hey, Erica. Nice to see you. Thank you for having me. So I want to jump into this conversation. I've had the pleasure of knowing Janelle for a very long time. We are both Air Force veterans, and that is how we know each other. And I have just been privileged to watch this journey that she's been on with her son. If you guys know anything about parenting, you know for sure that it's kind of like Forrest Gump, that famous line, life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Every one of your kids has a unique personality, their own you know, creative minds. You just don't know how each of your children are going to turn out. Mom and dad can be one way and kids totally opposite. So tell us a little bit about your beloved son. So my son, he is now 11 years old. He is what I call probably one of the most unique kids out of all five of my children. Very creative, very artistic. Back in well, let's just say about 2015, he was struggling and having a lot of different challenges in the general education placement. And it was really hard for him to learn and just kind of sit in that environment and try to, you know, get all of his academic studies. Unfortunately, after a lot of different challenges and being suspended multiple times at this young age of four and a half, he was diagnosed with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder or ADHD. And at the time, the doctors considered it what they called pediatric bipolar until that was changed when the next psychiatrist diagnosed him 
with disruptive mood dysregulation disorder or DMDD. Although he is medically diagnosed with several different, you know, medical diagnoses, like I said, he is super unique. He is the most respectful, loving, affectionate kid that I have. And he just loves all things arts and just going outside and just creating and imagining any and everything that he can. He's almost like Peter Pan. So that's just kind of how I pair him to. He is that child of mine. Awesome. You know, just to give some backstory, we, you know, first of all, in the Black community, we see kids misbehaving. And the first thing we think is they need to be reeled in, put in order. We grew up in this way, like kids don't do that. They don't act this way in public. And just in kids in general, even we make assumptions based on a kid's behavior. You know, I can remember distinctly being about like nine or 10, being in a store and this little boy was hitting his mom with a toy that he wanted and he was tearing her up real good. And I can remember like looking in awe, like my mom would kill me (laughs) if I even raised my hand toward her, right? Then I grew up and have my own kids and I see kids doing, you know, behaving a certain way. And I too would make a judgment like, why isn't the mom doing something? Why is she, you know, intervening in this situation? Not knowing anything about these different behavior disorders that existed with children. So with that being said, when I saw you start to share about your son, I immediately had a change of heart. Like I was convicted in my heart about making such judgments and thinking, wow, how many other moms have been dealing with what she's been dealing with? And unbeknownst to the rest of the population, this child really has a legit reason, you know, why these things are occurring. How often did you find yourself in that mom's shoes? Multiple times in public, even in the privacy of our home. I will tell you that the public scene of having to try to discipline or do whatever it is that your child needs at that moment is probably the hardest thing to do, especially when you have multiple children. And so, you know, I never know what it is and I never can catch it. You know, it's like one of those things that you never know when he goes from zero to 100. It's almost like he's there already. So it's very hard, very difficult to manage and very hard to control when you have a child who he is speaking, you know, he can't speak, but he has a very hard time communicating his emotions, his feelings, or whatever it is that's wrong with him. And so I've been, and I probably am on a couple, you know, recorded phones and smartphones and everything, because there have been multiple public types of situations where he had a lot, you know, having a hard time. And so It's multiple times. I'm sure everybody had their own perception of what they thought was going on. When did you first notice that something was different than things were with your older children? I would say probably around two and a half years old. You know, you think that your toddler is just always into something. He's just doing a lot of different things. But there was just a lot of things that were very different from my very first son. And I just really kind of kept an eye on it and just kind of watched those things And as they became more apparent, that's when I became, you know, started to kind of ask myself certain questions, whether he needed to see a doctor. And at the time, and I'm going to be honest with you, Erica, I just kind of turned a blind eye to it because I thought, hey, he's just a toddler. He's growing. He's learning. He's just exploring. And that's what we always assume about our kids that are very active is that they're just young. They're doing what kids do until there were some more serious, more risky type situations that happened. 
And one being that he, you call it a lope or he just kind of wandered off. No notice. I had no idea. And that's when it became more serious wow. for us. How old was he when he did that? The first time he eloped, he was about three years old and we were in Los Angeles, California. So imagine being in a place where you're not even familiar with, right? And your child just wanders off no notice and you have no idea where he's at. And then finally, after some time, my child was brought to me by the hotel security. And I was told that he was actually outside the hotels trying to get on the shuttle bus to go to the airport. So heart racing, of course, I was emotional. It was very hard for me to even not think about the what ifs and what could have happened to my son. I can't even imagine the terror, you know, it's in the house, you know, a toddler's quiet, you know, they're up to something most of the time. So I can imagine being in that kind of space and he's not even in the room, you know, where you were. Yeah. That had to be horrifying. So when things started to get risky and you sought some help, how was it getting labels or diagnosis or how was that for you? So when he first went into his first acute treatment care facility, which was about seven to 10 days, we automatically received diagnosis. So the medical side wasn't as challenging as it was the educational side, trying to get him in the right educational setting where he would be able to learn like, you know, his disabled peers or his non-disabled peers. That was the more challenging part. Medically and thankfully to us being military we were able to pretty much receive the medical care, the medical treatment therapy that he needed in the beginning. That's great, because that's not necessarily the case for a lot of people. They don't have the resources or even you know, necessarily know where to begin because there's so much to navigate. As a mom, how was this journey for you? Just you know, the kind of beginning steps. How was that for you as a mom? Oh, whew. in the beginning, it was very hard. It was very hard to not think that I failed my son. There was some shame there too, because I didn't like to share a lot of the things that was going on because I didn't want people to think that I did not know how to parent my child. When in reality, when you're dealing with a child with multiple medical diagnoses, you really don't know what you don't know. So it was a new journey for me. So there was a lot of shame built around not sharing a lot of what was really going on in my home. It was just very emotional, very hard. You know, going back to feeling like I failed my child and not doing what he needed me to do. It was just a lot of built up around that. You know, it was just very hard to try to parent him. How about your faith? Because you are a believer. How did this affect Mm. (laughs) your faith walk? Oh, God, don't get mad at me. (laughs) But I'll be honest, because I feel that was probably the most challenging time for my faith and me really trying to trust God in what I was going through, because there were moments where I questioned why. I questioned God, like, why would you give me a son like this? Why would you have me parent a child that caused so much, you know, challenges with not just within my life, within my other children's life? So it was very hard. But I will tell you, you know, the multiple times where I feel like my son put his life at risk due to his lack of, you know, he wasn't aware of certain things or anything like that. I began to grow stronger in faith with God because, like I said, the elopement was very risky, very scary. But to have my child return back to me safe with no cuts, bruises, or anything like that, if it wasn't God, 
then I don't know who else did it. And that's where my faith began to grow strong because no one else could bring my son back unharmed, safe to my home every single mm-hmm. time if it wasn't God. So it had to grow and I had to start changing the way that I was thinking. And that really happened through prayer, through reading the Bible, reading the word and what God has said. And not that I didn't feel that I was not scorned, but feeling like maybe I had done something to deserve this. You know, it was very challenging. It was an uphill battle. And I'm glad that God, it felt like he just tore my heart out of my soul and said, it's mine now. And I trusted. I just began to trust him. That's so important because twofold, it's normal when things don't go as planned to ask God, you know, why? Why is this this way? Why didn't things go (laughs) the way it did the first time around or the second time around or third time around, however many kids you have? I know for me, my first child, I felt like everything was simple, you know, cut and dry. She was textbook with everything. Then I had number two. And I always tell people number two taught me how to be a parent because number one just went with the flow. Number two was like, I go against the flow. Okay. If you go left, I'm going right. You go up, I'm going down, you know, very vocal. You know, she has her own personality and I had to really learn that I couldn't use the same approach with her that I did with number one, same thing with number three and learning the same about number four. They are just so distinct and you really do need God in order to parent your kids because ultimately they are his. And he knows them better. You know, they're all known to us. He trusted them with us. And I just can't imagine some of what you had to just process in your mind as a believer, as a parent, and trying to navigate something that was foreign. You know, there's no, did you have a blueprint? Does someone tell you do this first, then this and this? You know, how did that go? Right. Don't wish. <laughs> That every time we pushed out a baby or however we received our little blessings, don't we wish they came with a handbook or, you know, an SOP of this is what you do when this happens? You know, same here. Like you said, your second really taught you how to parent. I will say the same for mine. He really taught me how to parent and not just him. All my littles, he taught me how to parent because I realized that I can't parent them all the same. Every one of them has their own needs and how I love and show them affection. All of them wants it different, you know, and he was the one who really mm-hmm. showed me that. So yeah, I didn't get the handbook. So if someone <laughs> has one, hey, you know, like I said, I just trust God that in him, you know, trusting me enough and believing in me enough to be this child's parent, that everything that I need, he's going to provide that to me. So I really just had to trust that. That's my handbook. God, that's it. You know, you've been navigating this journey for quite some time now. And so how have you turned your experience around for the community? Because you're doing some amazing work for parents and your local community. So tell us about it. Thank you. So a complete 360. It really all starts in the mind and how you think about your situation and don't spend so much time like I did where I was just the old woe is me kind of mindset, you know, because in that moment of me sitting in that space, there's another parent who's also going through it. And so I really had to come out of that because I love to be of service. That's just what my heart is. And in this journey, I knew that once I learned the things that I learned 
with my son and how to do certain things and what resources were out there, what support service were out there. I wanted to be able to provide that same hope and service to other families as well, because I did not want them to have to sit in that space for as long as I had to go through. And that's where my heart went to and the fact that I was passionate about it because of my journey. I wanted to turn that around. So then I have my nonprofit, William is Artistic, which I was able to found in the middle of the pandemic. And it was just really on God giving me a word. And I just went for it. It was scary. I'm going to tell you that it was scary. But I just knew that in order to form a nonprofit that's going to supply and support, you know, services to families that look like mine, I knew he was going to be the one to do it for me and to trust that it was going to happen. And so in doing that, that's where, you know, the special education advocacy services come in because I know that families struggle when they have a child with a disability to get the proper education, whether it be placement, whether it be the services and support, the goals, anything like that. I wanted to be able to provide that to families so they, again, don't have to feel like they're journeying this whole process by themselves. And that's what I didn't want. I didn't want people to feel like they were alone on an island. And so not only do I do it in person with my families, I am, you know, virtually I support my families that way they reach out to me. And then also hosting my virtual parent support groups monthly with having, you know, special guests come in, whether it be a therapist, other families to share their stories, because I do believe there's power in sharing your story. And I will say you the one who taught me that, you know, I started to do it on Instagram, but still very, you know, timidly. But once, you know, I was able to put it in a book and I felt like, oh, it's out there now. I began to share more transparently. Like I got to be more open about what this struggle looks like because then families can relate and they can see that there is hope in their own story. Yeah, because it's really easy to isolate and think that you're the only right. one dealing with this. It only happened mm-hmm. to you. And although your unique family dynamic is, you know, your experience, there are other people who can relate to the broader, you know, experience. So whether how it is you feel emotionally, the stress of balancing work with your child's needs and everything else. And all parents have this going on, but when your child has special needs, there's like another degree, right? It's one thing to have an annual yeah. appointment. It's another thing to have 10 appointments a week. <laughs> and none of those are for you. And then when you have multiple children, they have places to go, things to do as well. How do you find that balance for yourself to take care of you, to take care of everyone, to take care of his needs, as well as all these families that you are now also supporting? Right. Right. Again, it may sound cliche. I trust God. I trust that in managing my time that I'm going to be able to do everything that I need. So when it comes to my son's appointments, those are not optional. It's rare that I'm canceling an appointment that he has to go to because those are the needs that he has. So if you see this calendar behind me, I'm super structured in how I manage my time because all of my kids have needs. I have my boys playing basketball. I have you know, the things that I want to be able to do in with my nonprofits. That's where my joy comes in, you know, being able to set an appointment with a family just to help them through there. So it's just really trusting God that in managing my time that I may feel like I'm spread thin, but in reality, I'm not. I'm being able to do this because he showed me that I can, you know, just again, prioritizing those things. But you yourself, you have to make yourself a priority. And I learned the hard way. 
you know, because when you're not, then everything within you will fall. And so you don't want your body to, to come up and tell you, hey, you forgot about me because it's happened to me. And so you have to make yourself a priority so you can be able to do those things. And that's what I do. I have to make myself a priority so I can do the things I need for my families because I don't want to be, you know, emotional and sad and not being able to give to my families the way they need me to give or even to my own family. So I got to take care of myself. So it's just about managing your time, even if it's something so little. I get my nails done and I make it a habit to go something like that. I, I got to go do it because I love the way they look and it makes me feel good. So again, just prioritize yourself as well as everything else within your yes, schedule. I was going to say nails done, hair done, lashes, whatever <laughs> it is, pedicure. Right. If that's what you mm-hmm. need. You have to get it done because women, we are so bad about putting everybody else above us trying to care for everyone, trying to emulate the Proverbs 31 woman and thinking and yes. I'm just a firm believer that she took care of herself, you know, that she took care of herself. Mm-hmm. That's why mm-hmm. she was able to do all of what she was exactly. able to do because, she, you know, she took care of herself well, because if you're exhausted mm-hmm. and you're stressed, you really can't pour out your best, you know? And so I love how you have taken your experience and turned that around and given back to the community and to these families because I know, I know it has made somebody's walk better, somebody's journey, you know, better to have someone that can relate on such a deep and personal level. You're not just an expert. That's what I love. You're not just an expert with certifications and degrees. You have lived and experienced this. And here's what's important. This is why we have these stories shared on Women Unveiled, because what it looks like on the outside is it's all perfect and put together. But when you pull back these layers and women are vulnerable enough to share their truth, what I love about everyone who's been a part of my book projects documentary that will be a part of this show is they give back. They have taken their experience, taken what they've been through, been able to see God in it, and then they do something with it. You know, they don't just rest in it. And I want the listeners to be encouraged that this was a nightmare for her. You know, this wasn't just a moment in time. This was a nightmare that God literally, she allowed him to put his hand in it and turn it around and make it for his good, just like the word says he will. So what the enemy meant for evil, God made it good. And so we, you know, regardless of what you're going through with your kids or personally, what have you, just know like God will not make waste of it. He wastes nothing. Here she was. So just so you guys know, she was an environmentalist. Her Mm -hmm. job was didn't have anything to do with any of this, but God redirected her passion. Amen. Yes, he did. 18 years worth experience, my education, everything that, you know, I loved about doing my job as, you know, an environmental protection specialist and within a matter of time of me living through my experience, he showed me how everything that I went through, just like you said, it never was going to go in vain. It was going to be used for the greater good. It was going to be used to touch families. You know, when you said that I got emotional about touching families, because I remember meeting with one family and she said she had been on Google and, you know, looking on, you know, Instagram, social media. And she said, and your name came 
And I was just like, okay. And that, cause you know, you always want to ask, you know, like, you know, how'd you hear about me? She said, and your name came up. And she said, in that day, I decided that I was going to stop work. I was going to reach out to you because I need help trying to, you know, get what I need from my son's IEP. And when she said, she said, Janelle, you are God sent. And that's when I knew that was like God's stamp of approval. Any of the things that I do, he just shows up in those ways. And I knew that that was his stamp and that was his confirmation because it's almost like when we're praying to God and the way that he shows up in our lives in different ways is the way that I showed up in her life in the way that she was praying for. So that's why I just got emotional because I know again that it all happened with just being obedient to what it is that he needed me to do and continue to follow this journey no matter how hard because it's not easy to build a nonprofit when you have no you know background in it you know like you said I came back from an environmental background and had no knowledge of how to form a nonprofit but help and people and funds just came out of nowhere and that just showed me hey I have everything I need he was going to provide it for me as I you know with my obedience everything was going to be provided for me and my nonprofit to help the families wow. to God be the glory that is Amen. Such a testament to who God is. And I love, she said, Janelle, you are God's sin. Like he had a divine assignment the whole time. And that mm. woman's life and the life of her child won't be the same because he put her in touch with you. He placed you strategically mm-hmm. in her life to disrupt whatever problem she was having and he sent the solution and we are vessels for the kingdom. You know, God can do all of this without us, but he chooses to use us and he will take your situation. He will take your troubled child, your challenging child, your unique child, even your angelic, never make a mistake child and use that person for his glory. I encourage you guys to just take her advice, you know, reevaluate Try to see this situation in your life from a different lens and just don't limit God. Don't limit what he can do with your situation, what you see as problematic, why, you know, what great thing he might have in store for your quote unquote problem. So Janelle, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your day to chat with me. How can the people connect with you, find you? They can reach me on Instagram. I have two different Instagrams. So my nonprofit is Janelle underscore William is artistic. So it's J-E-N-E-L-L underscore William is artistic, all one word. And that is my nonprofit. So you can go there and I will share special education advocacy, knowledge, you know, and tools, resources. And also when we have our virtual parent support groups or anything that we're doing out in the community remotely or in person. My other page is Janelle, J-E-N-E-L-L underscore D as in Delta underscore Brown. And that's where you can find my small business, my LLC, J Brown Specialized Educational Services, where I actually provide the one-to-one special education advocacy to my family. So you can reach me on there or even shoot me an email at williamisartistic at gmail.com. Wonderful. Her information will also be in the show notes. I want to thank you again for stopping by. You guys, make sure you tune in for that next story. Yes. Thank you for having me, Erica. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope this story has been as much of an encouragement to you as it was to me and a reminder of the power in sharing your story. Please make sure you subscribe to the podcast and share it with every powerful woman you know. 
As always, you can keep up with all the latest Women Unveiled happenings by joining our mailing list at womenunveiled.info and following us on Instagram. All the links and resources from today's episode will be in the show notes. That's all for now. See you next time.